with beer. Hello, podcast kittens. This is an outdoor air to preserve. Blah blah blah. Let's no, it that. isn't. It's <laughs> not that not. at all. Okay. You, you guys can be. You guys can be Nano and Brandon. It's it's cool. <laughs> We've been Nano and Brandon. Let's be Nano and Brandon. Go Take it in it. again. Okay. We're Nano and Brandon. Hello, podcast kittens. It's Nano and Brandon coming to you with another exciting episode of Cat Nano Wave to the Beer. World. We did get organized before we did that gag. We were very badly organized. Can you please, Lady, Lady, can you please be Brandon from now on? Like, can, you, can, you, can you like act as me from now on? I'm not intellectual enough to act. No, no, no. I'll be Brandon. Actually, uh, this has been my uh, my personal interest for many years now, and I finally decided <laughs> this podcast was the time to uh, let it all out, let the world see me for who I really am. Let, let it be shine. known. Let it be known that if anybody is ever going to voice act as me in a live action <laughs> show, or or if anybody's going to play me, it's Lady Beard it's right Lady there. Beard. Can you do me now? Now you do Lady Beard. Hey guys, it's Lady Beard. I'm here today with Kathy. I can do it, I promise I can do it. Hey guys, it's Ladybeard here and I'm today here with Nano and Brandon. <laughs> Nano and Brandon are here today. Oh, okay, I'm not going to do it. I'm gonna My go brain is not processing this right and I'm just, I'm just really confused. I'm like sandwiched in between like two different confusions here. It's okay, Kathy. Oh, it's okay, Kathy. It's okay, Nano. See, I finally, I finally, found my kawaii side of all the poofy clothes I always wanted to wear and so I transitioned from the darkness to the light. And ich liebe dich! Yes! yes! <laughs> this is some premium content right here. Oh my god! Oh my god. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Cat Woo! with Beard. Cat with Beard! With Nano to the World! Yes! So it's like a double podcast ensemble oh. collaboration miracle oh. musical. Of, oh, of it all. Nothing more amazing than this has ever happened in human history. This hey, human history. Exactly. The planets have aligned upon this today, <laughs> my and friends. My goodness. I know all of you are asking yourself right now, why are we here and why are we listening to this? We are actually going to talk about the highs and lows of the entertainment industry oh, in Japan. This is a topic we all can yes, talk about, right? Sorry, I need to be the German and structure this a little bit. You love being the German. Every episode, the German comes out. Yeah, of course, it has to be. It needs to be structured. Also, line the paper. My paper's <laughs> scrunched from the last time I threw it. <laughs> yeah. haven't thrown it this episode yet. There we throw go. it, so, throw it! There we go. All oh, right. <laughs> so highs and lows of the entertainment industry. Um, Brandon, you're managing a lot of different industries in your life, so there's, it's going to be interesting about your highs and lows, and here the highs and lows of being an anime singer-artist. So, oof. Let's, let's, highs and lows. Give me some highs and lows, guys. Wow. But we've we've definitely um, had a lot of highs and lows in both. Our, we we're in different fields of work, but mm -hmm. at the same time, I feel like we can relate to a lot of different highs and lows <coughs> in the entertainment industry. Give me some specific ones from you. Um, uh, let's see here. Of course, like you know, being able to sing and do music is 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 everything about the highs. But then at the same time, like. Catering to the Japanese uh, fans mm -hmm. is much, much different than catering to, like, the foreign um, overseas fans mm -hmm. as well. And I grew up in America, so when I first came to Japan, I think the entire way the industry, the entertainment industry was built, the, the, the fan system, everything was just a big culture shock for me. Oh. 
And so those were definitely, now I love, you know, the entertainment industry in Japan, but it did take a really, really long time for me to get used to, like, the strictness of it, the rules and regulations, um, the, what do you call it, the, the human relationships, the work relationships, and all these things that in America were more simple to me. But it's very, very complicated in Japan. And so it, take, it does take a lot of getting used to, I feel like. I need to ask one thing. So you're, did all of you get the culture shock when you went to a Japanese concert and people were just doing this? Oh, yeah. Like just waving their <laughs> oh, arm, yeah. but there was no dancing, no shouting, no jumping. Then, just like waving the arm. And then at the uh, end of every song. Very, very... Like, mm. I'm used to, even we Germans, we, we jump, we shout, we bounce sure, about the course. walls. Mm. If it's heavy metal, there's going to be suddenly a mosh pit in the middle yep. of it all. Yep. And I went to a live performance here, and people weren't moving. They were moving their arms, but they weren't actually moving, and they were clapping at the end. And maybe they said a little bit of a woo, but generally they were very quiet. And even now during Corona, it's even worse. Uh, people are discouraged from actually now. saying woo now, so we right, don't right. have the woos. But, but I feel so Japan, how was that? I feel Japan is a very kind of... Um, now is the time for doing mm. this yes. and not the time for doing that yes. type yes. culture. Mm. So when the time comes for us to cut sick, then we'll freaking cut sick and we'll, you know, tear the place down. But as soon as that time ends, then we're going to go back to standing in lines and we'll be very polite about everything. Mm. Mm. Would you agree? I would definitely agree. Uh, yeah. No, I think uh, like we, we had an episode where we talked about this, I think, but like the the politeness of the audience at Japanese concerts, mm-hmm. right? And to the extent that, uh, and this is not a negative in the slightest, because I think it's wonderful that the fan base goes this far with it, but to publish, like, physical books of these are the calls for this artist's concert, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, you know, not necessarily you have to go and study it beforehand or whatever, but, you know, if you know how to participate in that artist's concert... Mm. For this song, at these parts, these are the parts that the audience sings. At these parts, these are the movements of the pen lights. At these oh. parts, it's this. And there's that much information you can find online with certain artists and idol groups and things like that. Right? It's very structured and organized. Very much so. Very, very German. It's the otaku. Very official. Yeah, wonderful. I love it. It's the otaku culture, isn't it? It's yeah, just, it is. Just, yep. just undying, unbridled passion. Mm-hmm. I just felt like the audience in itself was a big part of the entertainment I agree. part I agree. Uh, aspect of it like yeah. the entire concert is not just people going there to enjoy themselves yeah. it's the audience is also taking part in yes. the entertainment in mm-hmm. the yeah. concert right and yeah. how you perform and stuff yeah so. i think pen lights and idol dances have changed it a lot as well mm-hmm. like the people like moving around their pen lights has made it so much more colorful and you can spot from a distance who they support by the color mm-hmm. sure. mm-hmm. and then the 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 dances like he will, everyone will not move, and everyone will be required. And suddenly, everyone does the same dance and the same mm. movement oh, yeah. and the same choreography. And I'm standing there going like, "What? Mm. What? what? Mm-hmm. I, I missed the note. What am I supposed to do?" And I'm just trying to <laughs> copy everyone. But that is fun. It's like a huge festival, right? It you really is. Right. It's like a communal experience. Yeah, like a, like a tribal a bonfire or mm. something. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay. but um, Japanese version of line dancing. Um, the first time I saw baby metal live mm-hmm. was in Chiba in Makahari Mess. Mm-hmm. So I'm up on the balcony. And I was so amazed because I'd look down at this, at the floor of 5,000 people or something. Mm-hmm. There's like six circle pits going on at once, sure. a giant mosh pit. The whole thing is carnage. And then at the appropriate moment, everybody stops and everybody knows the choreography for this mm-hmm. part of the song. Mm-hmm. Everyone does the same thing. And then it's back to a freaking wall of death and a circle pit and so mm-hmm. forth. So looking down at it, I was like, this is something else. Like the audience, oh, the audience was 
equally as big a part of the show as right, the band right. was. Yeah, it seems like depending on which artist you see, the audience will do different things. Some sure. will, will not move at all. Some will have the pan lights. Some will have the mosh pits, mm. like with baby metal. That was the first time I've ever seen a mosh pit in Japan. So <laughs> I was like, whoa, okay. Um, you got to so, come with me to some of the underground metal shows. Yeah, I'll show please, you some other mosh pits. Please. They're, 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 it's a different story in the small shows. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Yeah, but it's up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So depending on what kind of music and what kind of artist you see, you get different type of fan support. Mm-hmm. I think. How, but that is again very different. I assume from the Western fans. So I would like to hear from both of you the difference between Japanese fans and Western fans. So now this is very interesting. So you're anime song singer, mm-hmm. rock and roll singer. Mm-hmm. I'm a heavy metal singer. Mm-hmm. So in the Western world, generally speaking, you know, metalheads are pretty. <laughs> kind of, kind of yeah. people, right? Yeah. Um, and sort of what you see is what you get. You see him in the mosh pit and it's like, ah! you meet him after the show and it's like, ah! mm-hmm. you see him afterwards, right? In Japan, Japan, the fans will come in and they'll be wearing their, you know, their Slayer or their Metallic shirt. Sure. They'll stand there very, very politely with their big fuzzy hair or whatever. Yep. And then the song starts. <laughs> ruin the place. And then yeah. chat the police department. And then they like, stop. And then they push all over to be busy with their trash. And then they bring then up the after trash. after the show, it's like, You're like that in Australia. In Australia, you're going, Ah, you're fine, so that is, that's on the metal side of things. On oh, the metal side of things. <laughs> What's it on the anime <laughs> side of things? I think like the anime side is a little bit different because anime is a Japanese culture aspect and usually when you go overseas and perform anime songs, it's towards uh, fans that love Japan yes. and mm. have studied about the Japanese culture. So they try to in a way, copy mm. the mm-hmm. Japanese fan style as Which well. Is and yep. so yep. they do the pen lights, they do oh, the yes. dances and everything, but their heart mm-hmm. is originally not Japanese. <laughs> and so in various aspects of the concert, I feel their actual, you know, their, their, rea- their real personality coming out. Mm. And I was so used to um, doing concerts in Japan that when, like I said in the first episode, my first overseas concert was in Germany. Mm-hmm. Yay! And Deutschland! It, it, it was actually, because I debuted in Japan, um, I had never done a concert overseas before, even though I was mm-hmm. from the United States. And so after having done so many shows in Japan and then going overseas and then performing in front of a non-Japanese audience, oh my gosh, I was so happy because the German audience was so revved up. They were so Uh, heated up. And they were not just singing the songs themselves. They were always cheering. They were always like, you know, making woohoo kind of things. Like, ah, Nino kind of thing. And just having that reaction, because in Japan you don't really get that much. Um, Japanese people are very, very polite, and they don't like to make noise in the wrong places the wrong unless you ask for it. Yeah. And but German people are like to hell with it. We're gonna make noise whenever we feel like it. And I actually love that because mm. it, like, it's it's, it's instant it's, feedback. Right? Yes, it is, mm-hmm. and it gives you power <laughs> on stage. Have you done many shows in Latin America? No, never. Actually. They're wonderful in that department. Oh, really? First time I did a show in Mexico. 
Like the fans were so noisy, I was on stage, I couldn't hear my own track. It was so <laughs> good. It was yeah, so sure. good. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Um. So now, so so being the artist herself, here's what is I think, especially when you're a singer, is one of the most interesting things I find. I find being um a rock and roll singer or a metal singer is sort of like um playing professional sports as in there's the difference in culture substantially between the people who have to do the work and the people who consume the work so as to say in our case the culture and the lifestyle of being the artist versus the culture and the lifestyle of being a fan because the fans it's freaking roll party all night all this kind of thing um but uh, for us if we party all night the next day we get up and we can't talk and so there will be no show mm -hmm. and uh, you know maybe we can get you know, get into a bar fight and then you can't move the next day and then there will be no show and then a bunch mm -hmm. of Brandon your manager gets very upset because there needs to be a show um, you know you're so, knocking on the hotel door at you know 6 a.m. when you have to get ready to go well, you to got, exactly. rehearsal at 7 a.m. or something like that and there's no response right there's mm -hmm. no response at all um, I was wondering if you had any uh, feelings about that do you kind of feel do you feel being an artist doing anime songs do you feel um, I don't have a way to end this sentence what do you think about what I just said? <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible! No, I'm no, so sorry! No, no, we, no, we, we got it, we got it. I think it was a good example you said about like you want to party all the way through the night, but if your voice is gone, it's gone. And it's actually the reason why if, on the podcast you can't see it, but on the, uh, yeah, on the YouTube... Yeah, I have a show coming up. She has, sure. has right. a show coming up, and that's why she's wearing a mask to preserve her voice. So there's <laughs> certain kind of compromises as an artist, I assume, right. you have to do. So what do you think about I do that? get a lot of questions, though, from um, foreign um, fans. Why do you wear a mask all the time? Like, not just... Before, yeah, I, I wore a mask even way before corona right I, I was always wearing a mask and japanese artists tend to do that but i, I don't think i've seen any american um music artists wear a mask to preserve their throats so it's just <laughs> a japanese kind of thing mm. but um i don't know but i have to be honest um i was a lover of japanese um anime and japanese music before my debut but after making a artist's debut my sort of feelings about my enjoyment of it did change a lot mm -hmm. because I was no longer doing it as a hobby. It was uh, work. Sure. Mm. And so there was a, a, a long span of time where I could not enjoy it as much as I had in the past. I never went to karaoke anymore. Um, I didn't listen to other people's music. I didn't go to concerts. Um, I didn't watch anime anymore. I didn't even watch Detective Conan, which I loved. Mm -hmm. So there was a, a, a big gap <laughs> in my life where I lost all my love for hobbies because it was work. Mm. And that was very painful for me because I didn't have any other stress outlet. I didn't have any way to find enjoyment other than music. Mm. Was that the same time when you said you kind of tried to become too Japanese and put a lot of your own so. personality away? Yeah, it was so, like, I lost my identity of myself. And um, that's why during those years, I look back now, and a lot of the lyrics that I wrote for my mm. songs were very, very, like, self-inner battles with mm. my identity. I wrote a song called Identity Crisis, mm. you know. Mm -hmm. Like, it was, it was a period in my life where I was trying to rediscover who I was but, you know, trying to be a rocker at the same time. But you're clearly very hardworking and very professional. So how did you fix it? Yeah, how did you get out of that low highs mm. and lows? You know, it's just that I am, if it's said in Japanese, very, very makizugirai. So I'm a sore loser. 
And I hate to lose to myself. That's the kind of personality I am ever since I was very, very little. And I never like to say that, you know, I never like to give up. I never like to say, you know, I, that's all I can do, you know. Mm. Oh, well, I can't say that to myself. So whenever I'm faced with these walls, I end up like writing, like, like spewing it out in my lyrics and then overcoming it in that way. So all my lyrics are kind of in a way to push my back or to let myself face these problems that I have. And to reassess them, and to and to make them into something good for the listener, you know. That's very beautiful. Hmm. Overcome yeah. yourself. So the biggest battle is always with yourself. It is always with myself. I I really don't like to battle with other people, but I'm a great battler when it comes to myself. So. Hmm. Well, that's why you're good. You see, you raise the standards all the time. Hmm. Yeah. I wanted to mention though, because I wrote it down here. Um, you mentioned Kathy highs and lows. One of the highs that I remember from my career is, and Nano, you might remember this, in 2018 or 2019, I believe Nano did a, was a guest at a festival-style concert at Osaka Joe Hall in Osaka. I think it was Animax Osaka. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I was there with one of my artists, and you were there um, as well. And I remember going and doing what we were talking about in the previous episode on uh, your guys' podcast, the, what, going and doing greetings and stuff before, you know, the artists go on stage or, like, between rehearsals and stuff. And I remember I went to your dressing room and knocked on the door and said, oh, hey, Nano, you know, it's good to see you. Just wanted to say hi. And I said, you know, what's it like? You just finished your rehearsal. Like, tell me about it. And I remember the words that you said to me at that time. It was, I wish you could see it, the view from the stage. I wish I could share that with you. And up to that point, I had not taken the time to look at the audience or where the audience would be sitting. Because from a management perspective, you're looking at the lighting. You're looking at what kind of carpet is on this stage so that the artist is not going to slip. How many steps do you have to take up, you know, on the ladder or whatever, like staircase to get up to the stage? Um, Is there sufficient light that the artist can see where they're going between the dressing room and the stage? And all these kind of like behind the scenes management things. But I finally at that moment from those words that you gave me, remembered that, oh, I could also, you know, if I can't be an artist myself, and that's not my calling, I don't think, but to stand on the stage where the artists do stand and actually just take a look for a second at that, you know, view of what it should look like. Um, And that changed my perspective on working in the industry that it wasn't just this laser focus, you know, which I usually am, laser focus on, you know, the task at hand, but taking a second to stop and remember where I am, how many how few people have the opportunity to do what I'm doing at that particular mm. moment. Um, so I don't know. We ever talked about that before, but wow. that's, that's something um, that, that I remember. Was, right? I love every part of that. There, yes. I never heard that before. And yeah. I don't even remember. I said those words, <laughs> <laughs> but that moves me so mm-hmm. much. Yeah, that is lovely. And so I then at it. every event from that point on, I have taken the moment and I've taken pictures that I could show you, you know, later on in my phone here of the stages that I have stood on. I'm not, again, I'm going to say this in front. I'm not an artist. So I'm, I'm never going to, you know, conf- confuse myself and think that I would have the opportunity to stand on that stage and sing or do something that you guys do. But from the management perspective, but also from the perspective of somebody who achieved a dream of theirs to have a career in Japan working in the entertainment industry and doing, you know, working with the people, yourselves included, Nano included, um, people that I have wanted to meet or people that I have wanted to work with and getting the chance to do that and remembering and stopping for a second and, you know, taking that laser focus and kind of looking a little bit to the left and the right and remembering that, 
um, is something I learned from Nano. So that's that's one of the highs I would say. That's beautiful. Of the career. That is beautiful. That's definitely a high. I just want to say as well, you guys, the managers, you are the unsung heroes of this business. Mm-hmm. Very unsung. And Yuri, you're an unsung hero. <laughs> Thumbs up. <laughs> the in Japanese management, the expectation is not that the manager. So there's a word for it. The word for it is meibutsu manager. Someone who is basically like some manager that has gone beyond just being behind the scenes, but actually shows up on Becomes TV. Becomes personality, so, right? yes. And I don't know that I would I would ever consider myself to be at that point because mm-hmm. uh, I'm not currently managing you know a specific talent that I would have that opportunity to do that. But mm-hmm. um, it, I do know that there are fans um, out there in like the voice acting fan community that do know who I am, for example. Or you know I have had instances where fans have come up to me, you know, at a convention or something. And being like, oh, hey, Brandon, hey, how's it going? Because they, they know it could only be me mm-hmm. at that particular thing, right? Um, mm. Give the people a bit of insight sure. into how freaking hard the managers have to work. Because oh you guys bust your asses. Because yeah, uh, sticking with the high and low, because we get yeah. the high from being on stage or in front of the camera sure. or getting uh, the feedback from the fans. <laughs> Where did you get your highs and your, <laughs> your lows from? So this is tough mm-hmm. because... The, my answer to this question may not be the correct or it may not be the, the best answer for it, but I'll give my answer for it. Where do I get my energy? I get my energy from seeing the artists that I'm in charge of um, be successful, of course, but there's different measures of success, right? When you see their fans at an event or you see their fans on a live stream or you see their fans um, wherever they happen to be and those fans are enjoying that content and those fans are they have a smile on their face because the artist you're managing is doing what they do best. Mm. And knowing that, you know, in some small way, you've contributed to the happiness that those people are feeling in that moment in a very small behind the scenes, you know, 1% way, very far in the back. Obviously the artist is the one that is creating those emotions, but knowing that you've had something to do with it in a small way is, is something that makes you happy. Right. What's the Mm. most extreme manager emergency that you've experienced Manager emergency. Uh, that was a good one. <laughs> because people don't mm. realize that when you, and you'll be able to appreciate this as well, when you go on stage, you're in a real-time environment. So right. things happen and things go wrong. And if the artist kind of has their wits about them, mm. hopefully they'll be able to just carry through it and no one even knows. Sure. But then occasionally something happens like the stage catches fire. So, you know, yeah. that's hard to miss. No, for me, like, I can't, I'll be honest with you, I can't think of a specific instance or nothing I could talk about, you know, on, on camera, on, on, you know, the radio. But so there's something. Uh, there, there are some but, things, but yes. usually it's, it's personal to the artist mm-hmm. or, it's, okay. you know, it's a medical thing that happened or yeah. something. Like, those <clears> things come up. Artist injury? Have you had artist something injury? like that, right? Yeah. However, I have seen certain things. Completely forgetting, you know, whole paragraphs of, of lyrics or um, <laughs> like the, you know, going the costume change didn't, you know, happen appropriately. And so there was, you know, not a complete malfunction, but, you know, something wrong with the costuming that had to be fixed. I've seen that kind of stuff, but nothing major, like nothing I can think of that, you know, that I could talk about that would be, you know, readily yeah. understood by the fans. Right? I find it interesting that you get the high from the fans. That, that's what I found. It gives so much power mm. back to the fans, and it like some, right. sometimes fans seem to think like, "Oh, I'm just one amongst a lot mm. of people." But you are the one. Like it would, we would not all be here. None of no, none of these wonderful four people would be here without fans. Right. I, I think that I the second half of my answer then will be this. 
I want to be able to say, and I, to an extent, I believe that this is what I tell um, other managers that I've worked with, you know, people that are new managers, let's say, that management, Lady Bear, as you said, is a really tough job. You know, you have to wake up probably pretty early in the morning, you know, some days. There's tons of desk work that you need to get done. You can't get it done because you're with your artist physically at the recording studio. You're with them at a rehearsal. You're with them at whatever radio like we're doing today that they're doing. And you have to be there and you have to be on the ball constantly, 100% of the time, as your wonderful manager is doing right now. Listening in, um, ensuring that your artist's condition is at 100%, that they have everything they need, that they're not, you know... There's, let's say you had to make an announcement at the end of this radio program. They're not forgetting what that announcement is, that they have all the information they need. And that requires you're a lot of mental energy constantly. Mm -hmm. And yet then when you're done today at, you know, it's what, you know, we're recording in the evening and probably your manager has to go back to the office and continue to do desk work after this is done. Maybe there's some kind of accounting thing, invoices that need to be sent, these, these silly things that... You know, the, on the artist side, we, we do it for you guys so that you don't have to. Wash the costumes. Mm. Wash the costumes. Whatever has to be done. Mm. And that's the side that the fans don't get to see. But mm. in those moments where we're feeling down and we were tired or exhausted or, you know, mentally drained, I tell new managers that to some extent, not 100%, but to some extent, you should be like a solar battery, let's say. Mm -hmm. And the sun is your artist. Mm -hmm. And to a certain extent... Seeing them be successful and seeing the, again, the reaction that the fans give to that artist and the, what, the joy that that artist can bring to them, on a certain, to a certain extent, like indirect reflection, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, but it does rub off on you a little bit to see that you have been successful in those moments. And maybe your artist, maybe it's a small thing like that, a small interaction at a handshake event or something like that, where a fan comes up and... You know, for example, when we went to Sydney, um, I was not directly like in charge of nano management speaking, but as a coordinator, I was in Sydney at Smash, right? And, you know, the fans come up and they say to Nano, I've been waiting for this moment for years to come and see you, Nano, and to be, have the opportunity to talk to you. And then, of course, as the staff as well, though, we see this and we feel finally we had the opportunity to give this person something that they'll remember for the rest of their life, right? Mm -hmm. A little bit, we do feel that way. But in the end, you know it does get tempered out with other, you know, the, just the droll of all of that back-end stuff that we have to do. And then you, you have to just remember why you're doing it. You're doing it because you enjoy giving that joy of Japanese entertainment content, you know, to the rest of the world. That's why I do it. Anyway, that's, that's the high of it, oh, I would say. Stop it. Yeah, I was no, no, say, no, no, no. It's moving, man. I'm feeling moving. through all of this right You want to talk about the lows? Talk about how we got the time. Do you have time for the lows? I've got a feeling this will be a long one. How many minutes remain? Think how many minutes you think we're already full. Five minutes. Five minutes left. Give us some top three lows. Some bottom three. I just want to add, though. Go ahead. Like, I know there are a lot of... Like, every artist and every manager has a different relationship. I think there is no right or wrong. Sure. And... Um, some are more business-based, some are very friendly. And, um, but personally for me, I feel like managers are not just someone who um, like manages your schedule, the contacts, the business parts. I think they're very much your backbone. They support mm. you through thick and thin. And so my way is I know that a lot of people might look at my relationship with my managers and feel like it's very like, maybe too friendly almost hmm. but i feel that that's the way i like it to be on equal um 
levels with mm-hmm. my manager. I'm I might be more on the entertainment outward side, but at the same time, without my manager, I would not be who I am. Mm-hmm. So I kind of like it when I feel like we're equals, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm not the artist and they're not the, you know, managers, you know, serving me or anything. I don't feel like that. That's mm. a weird thing with Japan, isn't it? The manager, a lot of the time, gets treated like this exactly. sort of lowly sort of... Right. Oh, yes, I have, sort of. to be honest, seen a lot of, you know, situations where the managers are very, very, you know, treated without much respect sometimes. Like and it. that just yeah. makes me very, very sad. Mm. And so I always, always try to listen to what my manager might have like their opinions matter to me very very much and so they're like my friends almost and so yeah i i just want to say a shout out to the managers thank you so much for all your hard work the managers the managers let's just stand and salute for a moment to the managers yes and there are very there are two wonderful managers on the other side of the screen this has it been the most really moving, moving end. Yeah, I'm like, oh, me, I guess, sounds really good. We've ever, we've ever had. <laughs> well, for YouTubers, yeah. you don't really get managers, but I think the people you work with on mm-hmm. your video projects mm-hmm. become your managers. Right, they right. help you te- keep time schedule, maybe remind you to get a video mm-hmm. out. Sure. And then sometimes, you know, if you go out shooting together, you, you, you hype each other up, you give each other energy and go, like, okay, let's make this happen. The whole YouTube thing is broadcast yourself. So you are your mm. own producer, your own manager, your own this, that, In right. a lot yeah. of aspects, yes, mm-hmm. I guess so. But I do like the, the human interaction with the people you yep. work with. Yep. I think a, a lot of YouTubers just do it all by themselves and mm-hmm. they just sit in front of the mm-hmm. camera, but still, they might have an editor that works for them and that helps them make that happen. Sure. That is that is somewhat indisposable. It might be more than you'd guess because without them editing the video, the artist wouldn't have the time to do other things. So whoever your background staff is, guys, whether it may be a manager or an editor or a director, or maybe your parents who just drove you to the location. <laughs> sure. Say mom and dad, sure. don't everyone, forget mom and exactly. dad. Exactly, everyone is, yeah. is always your first managers are your mom and yeah. dad. Exactly, <laughs> that as well. So, or maybe a friend who just like okay yeah I'll, I'll take you there and hold the camera for you that yeah. kind of interaction is is very wonderful and again we need the fans the fans are extremely important right there's nothing time wise i think we've reached the limit now let's wrap oh, yeah. this bad boy up let's oh, yeah. wrap it up but this is not the end of it part two is gonna be on your past uh, podcast nana to the world yep. yes to the world. it's good yes so uh, this is not the end this but is first not of the all end. where would we find the part two of this podcast you can find part two of this podcast on Nano to the World if you search for us on Spotify and all the other places. I'm sure it'll come up if you type it in. Um, you can find us on Twitter. Please search for us on Twitter, NTTW official. Uh, the hashtag for the program on Twitter is Nano underscore World. So please send us any kind of comments or questions or anything you might have. Uh, we'll go ahead and try to answer them as quickly as possible on the program. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram. Uh, we put all the behind the scenes po- uh, pictures on Instagram as well. So hopefully we'll be able to take some nice behind the scenes pictures uh, today as well. Oh, Pop them yeah. up there. And, and Nano. Uh, yeah. Sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sorry. I didn't no, that's all. Go ahead. Nano, any kind of promotion, any tours, any cool stuff happening? Yes, I'm having a solo concert on July 9th in Japan. And I'm also, I'll be going overseas 
Again, um, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Bangin'. Canada. Wow. I'm doing shows overseas again. So I'm really excited about that. And I'm just really happy to be able to inter interact um, real time with my fans. Like you said, you know, fans are everything to me. And the reason why I do music and the reason why we're all, you know, working so hard as we are. So um, thank you so much for your love and support. And keep rocking on, right? Yeah. Keep rocking thank you so on. Much. And since we're talking about music, Ladybeard. Hello, I'm Ladybeard. Go to the internet, put in Ladybeard underscore Japan and press the like and follow and things and my pop group Babybeard underscore Japan. Do the same with Kathy Cat's things at. Yes. Last not last but not least, there's the Cat to Cat Underball TV. I know most of you guys don't have a TV anymore, but it, it's the uh, the spirit of presenting you some fun stuff. Cat to Cat Underball TV, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch. All of that, but also on YouTube as well, and NHK World Japan Railway Journal. And send us an email. Yes. Thingamidig at the DVD. at joqr.net if you want to give us some nice fan mails and cheers. And we have an official YouTube channel. You can see our wonderful faces. So after you rated this podcast with five stars or more, then please head over to YouTube and type in Cat with Beard from Japan and follow and see our beautiful faces and these wonderful outfits. You yes. can't miss these wonderful oh, outfits. Don't look, look, over, look at that. Oh, no, no. It's, it's perfect. So thank you guys so much and I'll we see you we'll see you very soon on Nano to the World and Cat with Beard! Beard.